So last week, we just started discussing personal growth, and we said that the context in which you view personal growth makes a very big difference, because personal growth is, is quite popular out there, and um, therefore, you know, you, you could approach it as something which is just, just like going to enhance your life, like, and it will, um, but that's not really the Jewish approach to personal growth, and it's not why we um, put effort into personal growth. That's because personal growth is an inherent... The reason important in Judaism is because personal growth is an essential aspect in having a relationship with God. Right? That is, that's what we said. That because only a person who is defined and is uh, de- uh, refined and elevated and developed and has worked on themselves is a person who's more perfected and more similar to God and therefore more connected to God. Which is for yourself, of course. I mean, your connection to Hashem is, is, is for yourself. But as opposed to, you know, people's concepts of personal growth, we talked about last week, I, I just I Googled to see why people say it's important, you know, personal growth. And it's things like because it improves your relationships and because you increased happiness and all different things, which, which, which I acknowledge as being true. I agree it's true. But that's really sort of small-time stuff compared to, you know, a relationship with God. You know, all those things are byproducts of personal growth, but that's not the reason for personal growth in terms of the Torah. The Torah is that there's a mitzvah in the Torah, which is you're supposed to, you're supposed to perfect yourself. You're supposed to be like Hashem. Hashem is perfect. And, and by perfecting yourself... You are getting, the more you perfect yourself, the closer you get to Hashem, the more perfected you are. The more of a giver you are, the more kind you are, the more patient you are, the more, right, all the, so, so then, you're, then you're more similar to God and more connected to Him. Okay, so, char- so character development, personal growth, is actually spiritual work in, in, terms, of, in, terms, of, in terms of the Torah. It's a, spirit, it's a spiritual thing, right? It's, it's, it's a mitzvah, it's spiritual. So I wanna, what I want to talk about this week is sort of explain that a little bit more about exactly how that works and how, um, and how that's a spiritual thing, okay? And I'm basically going to make four points, okay? I can make four points. Um, so we'll start with point number one. Um, in 1956, the General Electric Company in America introduced a product which is which um, you probably have and use in some form. Almost everybody, I think, uses this product. And what's interesting about this product is that it, it sort of confronts us. <laughs> is that the, can you say that? Confronts us with, yeah, confronts us with um, the, the basic tension at the center of being a human being. Okay, this, this product is that every single day, you probably use it every day, and the, by using it is you have to grapple with like, like the essence in a certain sense of what it means to be a human being. So, so try and guess. What do you think? What do you think? This is 19 thing, 1956. Wait, just, just explain it again. It's a product yeah. introduced for the first time by General Electric in 1956. And you use it. I can I can almost guarantee you use it, and probably use it on your phone now. Probably, but you know, um, and but by using this is that you in the in the in the process of using it is that you you ha- have to engage in a struggle 
which is central to what it means to be a human being. Quite a hard thing to guess. <laughs> camera, okay. No, it's not a camera. Internet. Internet. No, it was 1956. The internet was, was in the 1990s. It was, it, was, uh, it was invented by a guy who makes, makes not one penny from it. He didn't, he didn't uh, patent it. He wasn't interested. Okay, that guy gets mixed and made no money off the internet. Okay. <laughs> um, I'll tell you, it's hard. So it, is, it was the first ever... Um, it was the first ever... No, telegrams is already the 1800s. It was the first ever alarm clock with the snooze button. <laughs> okay? Meaning the, the alarm clocks existed, but what this did is it gave you the ability to give yourself five more minutes of sleep. <laughs> okay? Do you, do you use that? The worst thing is that you hate this You hate it? You use it, don't you? Both of you, you use it. And on your phone, probably also. Is that how you use it? Yeah, I thought. That's how I use it also. So, yeah, so why do you think it's the worst invention ever? Why? Five minutes gives you no benefits. And it makes everything so much worse. Five minutes. And then it's half an hour. It happens. To, it's, it's exactly. It happens to be. It happens to be that this that this morning was a purely bad one for me. That <laughs> that I actually ended up an hour later getting out than I intended to getting out of bed because of the snooze button. Um, it was really cold in my house this morning. <laughs> no, I usually do. Yeah, yeah, me too. There are, yeah, there, I, there, are, there are apps where the alarm clock won't go off in, until you take a picture of the bathroom. So you have to go get up and go and take a picture of the bathroom to turn the alarm. Turn the alarm. Really Isn't that clever? Um, I don't know what it's called. I don't use it, but someone told me about it. <laughs> so anyway, so why do I say that? that so why do I say that that confronts us with the, the essential human condition? And you, you guys are really saying it yourself. Well, so here's the thing. Let me, so let me ask you a question. If you set your alarm clock for six, right, why did you set it for six? Presumably because you want to wake up at six. So, so you. <laughs> okay, that's, that's different. <laughs> so if you set your alarm clock for six, that's because you, what do you want? You want to wake up at six. So now, if you um, if you hit the snooze button ten times, okay, and wake up an hour late, depends on how long your snooze, snooze button lasts for. You can set it also three minutes, about five minutes, ten minutes. But if you if you if you and you wake up an hour later, so then you why did you do that? Because you want to sleep. That's why. So you want to sleep. So the question is this: You set your alarm because you want to wake up but you, you snooze it because you want to sleep. So the question is, which do you want to do? If you want to wake up, so then why not, when the alarm goes off, so get out of bed and get up. And if you want to sleep, so then forget the snooze button, turn it off, roll over, and go to sleep. So which is it? Do you want to wake up or do you want to sleep? You're missing the time. <laughs> the, night, the previous night, I wanted to wake up at 6. 
Okay, the previous night you wanted to wake up, and now? Now you don't want to wake up at 6. Do you really not want to wake up at 6? You do, but in the moment it's hard. You do, but in the moment it's hard. So I'll tell you, so what's the, I'll tell the answer to my question. My, my question is, do you want to sleep, or do you want to wake up? And the answer is, yes. <laughs> you want both. You want both, right? And that is where the inherent tension of being a human being lies. Is that, what do you mean you want both? I'll give you another example. I give you an example. My, my, my wife makes the brilliant chocolate cake. <laughs> okay? For Shabbos, yeah, it's very nice, it's very rich chocolate cake. Aren't you allowed to eat as much on Shabbos? Aren't you allowed to what? Eat a lot on Shabbos. You're allowed to eat as much as whenever. Contribute to your weight or something? And that's, that, I, I don't know who made that one up. No, nowhere does it say if you eat a lot on Shabbos you won't get fat. No, it doesn't, it's not true. Um, so, so the, the thing is, what happens on Sunday? That's the question. There's the leftover chocolate cake. Right? There's leftover chocolate cake on a Sunday. So the truth is, so I'm trying to eat healthy. You know, I don't, I, you know, I'm trying to eat healthy. And I like, you know, why? I don't know. <laughs> so so you, you walk into the kitchen, right? Sunday afternoon, and you're like a little hungry. And, and you're looking around, and you're like, oh, what's that in the corner? Under, under the tinfoil. <laughs> okay, under the tinfoil. Oh, it's the chocolate cake. Oh, that's the leftover chocolate cake. So like, ah, but I'm on a diet, and I'm, I'm trying to eat healthy. And I, so it's, I'm just, I'm just going to take a peek, right? So I've learned from experience that don't take a peek, because once you take, you've already lost once you take a peek, right? So you go over, and you just lift up the foil, right? And you say, ah, oh, I'm just going to, I'll have a slivy. <laughs> just a, a little, a little thin, it never hurt. One little thin, thin, thin slice never hurts, right? So you like... Take a thin, thin slice, and you eat it, and you're like, wow, that was good. I mean, I'll have just another, another, another thin, thin, thin slice. Okay? 20 minutes later, you know, 30 minutes later, so my wife's going, hey, what happened to the chocolate cake? <laughs> Where's the leftover chocolate cake? And I'm going, I don't know, but my stomach is killing me. <laughs> right? So what happened there? So did you, do you, if you don't want to eat the chocolate cake, so then don't eat it. And if you do want to eat the chocolate cake, so then eat it, and don't, but don't feel bad about it. So, so eat it. Enjoy. So what's the problem? The problem is, which do you want? And, and the answer is, I want both. I want both, right? So how could it be that I want both? That's a little bit like, you know, is that like a mental illness? How can you want two opposite things at the same time? And the answer is like this, is that the very first verse in, in the Torah, it says, It says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The heavens and the earth are talking about two different types of existence. God created spiritual, the heavens, and God created the physical, the earth. And those two things um, are the opposite of one another. They're the opposite of one another. Um, and they are they're like fire and ice, right? They don't go together. Physical and spiritual do not go together. They're opposites, um, and they cannot really coexist. And therefore, you see that anything that God made in creation is either one or the other, okay? Is that there's a whole physical realm, which we are familiar with, which because we can see it, and the physical realm has all kinds of different things in it, and it's got animals, and it's got plants, and it's got right, and, and all these different things, and, these th- and physical things are the arts. They made it's a certain type of uh, existence that it's made from. But then there's a whole spiritual realm, 
We, we mention in, in, in davening, we talk about, you know, even in like the first bracha in, in the morning, in Shabbos, we talk about, you know, ofanim and chayot hakodesh, and these are all different types of angels, right? There's, there's, there's different spiritual, and there's a whole spiritual realm, which is as vast, if not, I think, vaster than, the, vaster than the physical realm. And these two things don't, get, don't go together. So an, an, an angel is a certain type of existence, which is a completely different type of existence from an animal. And they, they don't go together. And so you find that everything which exists in creation is either one or the other. It's either physical or it's spiritual, with the exception of the human being. The human being is the only thing which is a combination of both, is that we have a body and a soul. We have a physical element and the spiritual component. Um, and the thing is, is that um, they... So, let's, so that's point number one. Okay, I'm, uh, point number two is builds on that. So point number one is that we're made up of two different parts. Okay, and, and, if, and if we don't understand that, that point alone, is that we'll never understand ourselves. Right? You can't, you can't, we can't understand ourselves until we understand that we are made up of two completely different parts. Okay? And point number two is really that those, that, that those parts each want totally different things. They want totally different things. Everything is drawn to its source. Okay? So, so the physical part of ourselves, it's earthy, it's heavy, it's drawn, it's drawn downwards. The spiritual part of ourselves is, is, is drawn upwards. So the body wants, first and foremost, things that are physical. The body wants sleep. The body wants food. The body wants sex. The body wants, okay, um, as well as, I mean, those are basic physical things, but all of the negative character traits also are rooted in the body. So anger and jealousy and, um, in, you know, in, in laziness, insecurity, okay, all, all of these things are, are, are rooted in the body. And, and ultimately what the body really what wants is the path of least resistance. Right? The, the body just wants to do what's easy. The body's, you know, whatever, go with the flow. You know, staying in bed is the easiest thing to do. <laughs> right? It's just, it's, it's, now the soul, on the other hand, is the opposite of that. The soul wants, unlike the body which just sees like here and now, it's just, it just like only, you know, in the moment, Short term, what's easiest and what's going to be the most pleasurable and the easiest in the short term. So the soul is the opposite. The soul sees long term. The soul wants achievement, wants to fulfill potential, wants spiritual, wants self-actualization, wants purpose and meaning and, 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 and growth and wisdom and understanding. Right? All these things come, come from the soul. And so therefore, is that you have the body wanting one thing and the soul wanting the other. And, we, and, and, and we're getting pulled in two opposite directions. And that's why, so, so the night before, like you pointed out, the night before, is, is, is your, it's easier to be in touch with your soul. So you can identify what it is you want, which is I want to get out of bed at six. But when the alarm goes off, is your, is, is, is your body is, is really all you really can tune into at that moment. It's easier to, is, you know, your body's a lot louder at that moment. And your body's like, I just want to sleep. And, and, and so... You know, if, if, if the body is speaking the loudest, you know, and, and also what's difficult about the snooze button is, this is, a, this is a side point, but it's actually a very important point, is that, um, like, look at the chocolate cake, is that very often the reason why the body wins out over the soul is because the body, is because we, we believe a lie. 
And that lie is one small piece won't hurt. Right? When in fact, when, you know, if, if, the, if, the, if the body would say, let's sit down and eat the whole cake now, you'd say, no, I'm not going to eat that. That's ridiculous. And you would walk away. So it, doesn't, so it doesn't, say, doesn't say that to you. It says, one small piece won't hurt. Right? And it, it gets you to eat the whole cake one small piece at a time. But if it would say to you from the beginning, you know, let's eat the whole cake, is that you, you wouldn't. So that's the problem with the snooze button. If, 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 it, if, if it would say to you, you know what, turn off the alarm clock, we'll, I'll, I'll go two hours late to work, maybe I'll lose my job, whatever, I don't care. Is that you? No, no, that's not going to work. The problem with the snooze button is it's saying, I'll just have one small, I'll just have five minutes. Five minutes won't hurt. It won't make me late. Five more minutes. But the problem is, and there's another five minutes, another five minutes, another five minutes, right? Because you do five, one piece at a time, and suddenly you're an hour late, right? So that, 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 that's, that's the lie that we fall for all the time. It's just one cigarette won't hurt, you know? One, yeah, one, just, one, just a small one. And that's a lie. But we fall for that lie, you know? Um, Okay, so, but, so point number one again is that, is that I made up, I have to understand, if I want to understand myself, I have to recognize I'm made up of two different parts. And point number two is those parts are pulling me in completely opposite directions. Okay, is those parts want different things and are pulling me in, in completely opposite directions. So point number three um, is like this. Let me t- I'll tell you a story. Um, when my last year of university... I went to a university in America, Tufts University in Boston, Massachusetts, and I studied history, uh, Middle Eastern history, as my spe- was I specialized in. I found it didn't pay very well. But um, the, the um, last year, as I went to study in um, Egypt, I studied in Cairo, American University in Cairo. You, you were I wasn't, no. Um, and so... Oh, the, uh, the pyramids. You go to the pyramids, okay, which are just outside. Have you been, have you been to Egypt either? Yeah. yeah. Did you go to the pyramids? Did, did, I don't know. We just went to them. And was it a good experience or not a good experience? <laughs> I was quite young. You were young. Are you the family? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, we had uh, a day. Okay. So, so you, couldn't, you couldn't do that anymore. Now, now it's like dangerous to go to Egypt. It's like you can, but um, that was a while ago. So when, I went, so when I went to Egypt, so my first experience of the pyramids was, was not pleasant. Because there's this place called Giza, which is outside of Cairo. And, and, and you go there, and there's like, I don't know, there's like tons of buses, and there's tons of tourists. And, 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 and as soon as you get off the bus, first of all, it's like ridiculous. Yeah, but it's not far outside of the city. It is in the desert. It is in the desert, but it's not like... Day's journey. It's like it's like I don't remember, I don't remember how long, but it's it's less than an hour away, I think. Um, and you you get out of the bus, and it's like crazy hot. It's like hot. <laughs> it's like like hot, like not a hot that you get here. It's like hot, and and so you get you get hit in the face with this like blasting heat as you get off the bus. The next thing you get in the hit in the face with is about fifty Egyptians surrounding each tourist. Like in your face, with Mr. 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 One water, special price, Mr. Postcard, postcard, Mr. My friend, my friend, special price for you. And they're like all over you. And it's like, it's horrible, it's unpleasant. And so, one of the things that you can do there is you can go on a horse ride. So, I went on a, I went on a horse ride there, and they, they bring out this horse, which is like practically dead. It's like it's on its last legs, this horse. And, and you get on this horse, 
and they and they don't even let you ride it. Like someone leads the horse like by, and they like re, they like walk you around like the parking lot for like two minutes, and they charge you. And it's like it's it's like a ridiculous experience, you know. Um, okay, so that that was my experience of my first experience with the pyramids. So, but after you, I was I was studying there. I was living there after you're there for a while, so you get to know what's what, you know. And I, I also so I, I made some Egyptian friends. So it happened to be that um, there was a guy who we became friends with, and his father had some had stables of horses at the pyramids. And so a, a whole bunch of a whole bunch of us, he he invited like some uh, some uh, of us Westerners who were studying there. Said, why don't you come horseback riding? So he said, yeah, you know, sounds cool. So he said, so he, so he said come, come at like 11 o'clock at night, right? So we like took a taxi out there, 11 o'clock at night, and that was a totally different experience. There was nobody there. It was totally empty, right? No one trying to sell you anything. It was like beautiful and nice and cool, and the moon was out, and the pyramid, you can see the pyramids, you know, in the desert. It's like unbelievable. So then we go to these stables, and these, they bring out these horses, these, and it's like, these are like the real deal. It's like none, none of these like half-dead horses. These are like proper like Arabian horses, okay? Um, so they bring out all these horses, and so he says, so he says who here, who here um, has ridden before and knows how to ride? So this is my first mistake of the evening, okay? As I, said, I, said, I, I said, me. So it happened to be me and my good friend. And funny thing is we were the only two Jews there. Okay, we, we said, we, so we said, yeah, we, we, we had ridden before. So he brings, okay, he brings these two horses that are like strong, like really strong horses. So they saddle up all the horses. There's about nine of us, okay? So they, we get on, as soon as you get on the horse, already we're having a hard time like holding the horse back. Like, like the horses like, that they gave us were like, these, these two horses were like strong and they had a mind of their own. And so... Everyone gets on the horses and we start going. So then our two horses just take off, like in the lead, just right. And we and we couldn't control them. We couldn't control them. <laughs> the, the, and and the the you know, I don't know if you like the de- you picture the desert sometimes as being like this, like these like soft rolling sand dunes, you know. So maybe that's like the Sahara or something like that. But the desert in Egypt is not like that at all. It's rocky. It's not sandy. It's rocky. And it's not like soft and rolling. There's like cliffs and, and there's like sh- you know sh- drops and all kinds of things. So, so our two horses were like took off at like top speed, and, and we, we couldn't get them to stop. <laughs> and and <laughs> and the, and we're like hanging on for, for for dear life. Me and my friend Gary, okay, we're like hanging on for dear life. And this, and, and they're like racing each other. Our horses are like you know. And you know, so this is when I became from. I started saying to Hillam, <laughs> and and our horses they're headed for this like up ahead. There's like a drop, and there's like a drop, and so we're so we're like heading for the, for this drop, and and so I'm I'm like yanking with all of my might on on the reins, and the horse is not stopping. Horse is not stopping, and I actually I actually had to lean forward and run my hands along the reins and get right close to the horse's mouth, to the bit. And I grabbed on either side and I yanked with all of my might and the horse like, went, like stopped and went up. But my friend Gary didn't. So my friend, his, his horse ran, kept running, and the horse went straight to the edge and the horse stopped like this and he went flying over the top of the horse and he must have fallen, I don't know how many, couple of meters or something, he fell down and landed in, like, in the rocks and whatever. And it like wasn't like survived. <laughs> but, 
but like it, you know, it wasn't like the best evening for him. <laughs> um, <laughs> and um, yeah, so that was uh, that was my uh, that was my uh, horseback riding pyramid experience. Okay, so why do I why do I tell you that story? For two reasons. Number one is just a great story, so it's like worth telling. Um, <laughs> but number two is that because the the it is a paradigm. The horse and the rider is a paradigm for the body and the soul. Right? The horse, a horse is an amazing thing. I mean, we're used to cars now, but if you think about it, the domestication of a horse is an amazing achievement, and it, it enables human beings to do much more than they could do before. You know, if, imagine if, if the alternative is walking. Okay, so you can travel much farther, you can travel much faster, you can carry much heavier loads. I mean, in, in warfare, you know, the advantage of being able to ride a horse in warfare is it's huge, right? You can accomplish amazing things with the horse. Um, a horse is big and it's strong and it's dumb. <laughs> um, and you can, but you, can, you can accomplish amazing things with the horse, but that assumes you know how to ride it properly. If you can't ride your horse properly, then you're actually in, in danger, right? You're in danger. And a, whor- a horse can have, can have a mind of its own. So the relationship between, you know, if we, we understand that number one, that I'm made up of these two different parts, and number two, that these two parts want totally different things, is number three, is that I have to learn to manage that. I have to learn to manage that. And the proper relationship between your, your body and your soul is like a horse with a skillful rider. Is that a body is not a bad thing. Okay, the Torah doesn't say that a body is, is, is uh, you know, you're supposed to have a body. Um, a, you can't be in this world without a body. You know, this is a physical world, and to come down here, your soul needs to have a body. But the problem is, is that, um, you know, the body is very similar to a horse. And, you know, you can see, you know, my, my, my dad used to have horses, which is why I volunteered to ride, to be able to ride the strong horse, because I thought I could, could do it. But, um... And, and a horse, you know, if, if, you, if you have a male horse, a stallion, which has not been castrated, okay, and, and, it's, and there's a, a female horse nearby, okay, which is in heat, right, puts off a certain pheromones or whatever, the, the stallions can smell it, is it goes mad, the horse goes mad. You could, it'll knock down a fence to get to the, to get to the mare, right? Um, and and it, it like, doesn't, like doesn't care, it just, it just, it's pure instinct, you know? So, you know, you can also go to, you can go to a club on a Saturday night and see something similar happening, you know? And, because people can also behave like horses. So, you know, the body can be, the body is, has the same instincts as a horse does, you know? As, as the body is essentially just an animal. And, and therefore, is that a, 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 the soul is, 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 has to be in charge. And, and the soul has to make decisions. And the soul has to be able to to, to override the instinctual drives of the body and override um, all of the sort of negative character traits in the body and be able to direct the body. And, and if you can, so then that's great because that means you can accomplish tremendous things. But someone who's not used to controlling their horse doesn't know how to, they never learned how to, they don't really want to, they just sort of let the horse run around and do what it wants to do, that's very damaging, right? That, 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 that does a tremendous amount of damage. So... Um, a, per, a person has to has to learn to manage the body soul dynamic. That tension between the body and the soul, we have to learn learn to manage that and and to use that um, and to make the right decisions. You know, actually, at King Solomon says 
He says, A righteous person knows the soul of their animal. So on the simple level, that means, if you, let's say you have a donkey, and you know, you know how much your donkey can take. You, know, you don't put too much weight on it. You know, don't don't make, you know, feed it properly. But, but they say on a deeper level, that means that's talking about us. A tzaddik knows the, knows the soul of his animal. It means you have to know your body. You have to know how it works. You have to know what motivates yourself. You have to know when you can push yourself. You have to know when you have to ease up on yourself. You have to, you have to, na- you have to manage your body. You have to know how much sleep you need and make sure you get enough sleep. You have to know which food, you know, it makes, it makes, gives, you know, gives you energy and which food makes you tired, so, you know, and you, have to, so you can be productive and you have, you have to know how your body works and you have to manage it and, and you have to recognize, um, you know, that that, that, that tension is, is, first of all, that's, the tension between the body and soul is really what we're here for, that's free will, all right, that's where that creates free will and therefore we have to use our free will wounds and we, we have to manage, we have to manage that that relationship and that tension between body and soul. Okay, so that's so point number one is I made up of two different parts. Point number th- two is those parts are really pulling us in opposite directions. They want different things. And point number three is therefore I have to learn, I have to learn to control and manage that dynamic between the body and soul, and I have to make sure that my soul is is the rider, and that my body is the horse. Okay, and the fourth and the final point is like this, um, and that's that's the, the fourth point is really how do I relate to this body soul combination that is me. And I think there's a few different ways we can relate to ourselves. Um, I was, um, once I went to the gym. On a, on a, I went more than once, but, but um, not that many more times than once. And, and, and uh, so I go in, it was, a, it was a Sunday after Sunday, and it was like 11 or 12 o'clock on a Sunday. And I went in to go, to, to go get changed. And there's a guy in the locker room and he's getting dressed. And he asked me, what did he say? He, he said, I walked in, he saw I just walked in, so he said, is, is, it, is it still raining? And so I thought about it, and I was like, no, I mean, it was like, the sun was shining, and the sky was, and it had, it had, rain, it rain, it had rain early in the morning. I said, no, I said, it's not raining. I said, how long have you been here? <laughs> and he said, I, he said, yeah, I got here, I, I got here at like, I think he said like seven or something like that. And I was like, you've been here for five hours? He's like, yeah, that's, what I, that's my workout, it's five hours. And I was like, wow, I was like, that's hectic, five hours, you know what I'm saying? So, um, and, I mean, he looked very good. <laughs> he looked, I mean, he was like, you know, he was like quite buff, you know what I'm saying? And, you know, uh, <laughs> so, so the thing is like this, is that how do you spend five hours in the gym? So, um, you know, there are many, many people who are walking around who the way they relate to themselves are, they're a body. Like people who think, I am my body. I think someone who, who's, unless he's like making a living like that, that's his pronouncement, he's like a bo- professional bodybuilder or something like that. But even so, so anyone who spends that much time in, on a weekly basis, and that's just one day. I mean, he's that how many days a week? I don't know, he does five hours. How, you know, he's, spending, he's spending 20 hours a week in the gym. So that means you're investing tremendous amount of your time, effort, and energy into your body, which means... That's who you are. You think you're your body. And there are plenty of people who don't even think, they don't acknowledge that they have a soul at all. They don't even have a soul. Any sort of higher notions like love or you know, any, any, any sort of spiritual inspiration, they think it's just chemical. You know, it's something in the brain maybe, you know, I don't know. It doesn't, it's nothing. We're just bodies, you know. So if a person walks around thinking, 
you know, I'm, and they, they relate to themselves as a body. Like that's how they see themselves as a body and only as a body. So then, you know, such a person is really, in terms of the purpose of the world, such a person is in trouble because he's basically saying, I'm a horse. He doesn't even have a rider. He's going to do whatever his body wants. He's just going to take care of his body. He's just going to, and he's going to give his body what it wants. And that's like letting your horse run your life. You know, it's not a good way to live your life. Okay? Um, there's an, a second way um, to relate to yourself, which is you can say, is that I have a soul. I have a soul. So that's much better because you're at least acknowledging that, there's, that, that, you, that you have these two parts. You have a body and a soul. But the thing is, the thing is if you say, I have a soul, you know, like, you know what you're saying is you, you're saying that I'm a body and I have a soul inside. But you're still primarily identifying with the body. Right? Because I, I have a soul. I have a car. You know, I have a cell phone. I have a soul. It's like one of the things I have. Um, so, again, that's better than thinking you're a body. But it's still, you're, you're, it's, 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 it's not saying that that's you. Okay? The third way you can relate to yourself is instead of saying, I, I have a soul, you can say, I am a soul. I am a soul. Um, and so that, if I do that, I'm identifying myself with my soul. And I'm, I'm, wearing, I'm wearing a spacesuit. I have to be in this world. I have a body, and my body is my spacesuit. You know? But if you imagine astronauts, go, they go into, you know, they go up in the, into outer space, and, and, they, and they put on their spacesuits, you know, if you start thinking that I am my spacesuit, that's a bit of a problem, right? Because you're not your spacesuit, you're what's inside your spacesuit. So the same thing as your body is your spacesuit. And we, what you are is really what's inside of your, what's inside of your body. Okay? Um, so I, I am, a, I am a, a, a soul which is enclosed in a body. Is a very radically different way of relating to yourself. Um, and, and, you know, and, and they, they talk about, they talk about, in the Gemara, in Brachas, it talks about different experiences of death. Right? It says there's 932 different levels of death. Okay? And, 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 it, and it says, it, it doesn't go through them all, it just mentions the easiest and the hardest. Okay? Um, and it says, the, it says the worst one is, it compares it to, like, if you imagine you have, like, a huge thing of cotton wool, and you, like, stuck it in a thorn bush, and you tried to get it out, and it was, like, coming out in pieces, like, stuck, and, like, in thistles and thorns, and you just can't get it out. It's like, the pieces are breaking off. Okay? So that's a very negative experience of, of, of leaving this world. Okay? That means you're, like, stuck in your body. The other extreme says, is, says is, imagine there's an, eyel an eyelash in a glass of milk, and you just stick your finger in and you lift the eyelash out, and it just comes out. Okay? So, um, if a per you can see the problem... No, I'm saying, I'm saying that identity. our identity, what's our identity? You know, if you, you can imagine the experience of a person who thinks he's a body and nothing else. So when he when he when he dies, it's a very traumatic experience. <laughs> you know, when his soul leaves his body, he's it's a tremendous amount of trauma because he didn't even know he had a soul, and he's, he he is his body. So now he's looking at himself laying there on the table. You know what I'm saying? And and he's in complete shock because you know. But as opposed to as opposed to the opposite of that is that you know when you get undressed in the evening, you take your clothes off. It's not traumatic. 
because uh, you're close. You, you leave them lying in a pile on the floor for the maid to put away, right? <laughs> and, and, and this is South Africa, after all. Um, and, but it's not like traumatic. So if a person was really completely real with the fact that they were a soul, so then when they leave this world, so leaving their body behind is like taking, getting undressed. That's, that's the highest level of, of death in a certain sense. Meaning it's not a traumatic experience because you're changing your clothes. Nothing traumatic about that. Okay, so um, the point is like this, is that we, we need to identify and we do identify with either with the body or with the soul or probably somewhere in between, right? somewhere in between. And there is a, a very nice quote from someone who I probably disagree with in almost every other thing he said, but his name, he's a playwright in England named George Bernard Shaw. So he has he, a very nice quote where he says, um, in, which it's very pertinent because everyone's trying to find themselves, right? So he says, life isn't about finding yourself. Life is about creating yourself. So um, the decisions that we make, when we make a free will decision, free will decision is a decision that means my body's pulling me one way. I want to stay in bed. My soul is pulling me another way. I want to get up and I want to start my day and I want to be on time and I want to achieve. So when I, when I either decide to go back to sleep, or get out of bed, I'm, I'm identifying myself either with my body or my soul. And the thing is, is, every time you identify yourself with one over the other, is what you're doing is you are um, strengthening one or the other. If a person identifies with their body consistently, is they make their body stronger and stronger, and it becomes harder and harder for your soul to, to sort of exert control over the body because you're identifying yourself as a body. And the opposite is true. If a person manages to, to, to go with the soul consist, consistently enough and create a, a, moment, a positive momentum enough, obviously no one makes the correct decision every 100% of the time. But if overall you're making the decision to identify with your soul and go with your soul um, enough of the time is what happens is, is who you are changes. So, so if, you imagine, if you imagine a continuum and on one side of the continuum is an angel. And the other side of the continuum is, a, is an animal. So one is 100% spiritual and one is 100% physical. And each one of us is somewhere in between that, along the continuum. But we can move ourselves either towards the more animal side or the more angel side. Okay? So, um, you know, every decision that we make moves us. And, and every decision that one, one direction or the other, and every decision we make identifies with one or the other. So just imagine, so you have, uh, you have a sister? You have a sister, I heard you mention your sister, right? Okay, so your sister makes like some uh, obnoxious comment, as sisters tend to do, right? Um, and you get aggravated. Um, and you choose to, you know, you, you, could, you, you could say something, you know, back which, which would get back at her and hurt her feelings. But you just keep your mouth shut. And you don't. So you just chose to identify with your soul over your body. Um, you know, you're at a Shabbos meal and, you know, and dessert comes out, but you're full. And you realize that if you eat this dessert, you're going like, you're to you're feel sick after. So you say, no thanks, I'm full. So you just identify with your soul. You know? um, you're davening, or saying a bracha, and you... How does that have to define with the soul? Which, which one? The denying dessert 
understand it's not identifying with the body, but what's that going to do with spirituality if I'm not even into that? Um, do you know what I'm saying? I do know what you're saying. So, it has to do with the soul because, because what you're doing at that point is you are, you are exerting, meaning from your body's, as far as your body's concerned, so you, you could keep going. You, you could keep eating. Yeah, you're overriding a bodily urge. Even if it's not drawing you towards spirituality, it's still... It is spiritual because, because, what, because animals don't do that. Right? Animals don't... An animal may instinctually... Certain animals, like cats, I think... You can leave, you can leave, if you're going away for the weekend, you can leave enough food for the cat for the whole time and it will regulate itself. But a dog won't. I think a dog will, if you leave a bowl there, it'll eat the whole thing in one go, <laughs> right? Dogs don't say, well, I'm full enough now, and I, I better save some for later and I'll come back, we'll just eat the whole thing. So animals don't regulate, you know, unless it's, again, unless it's instinct like a cat. Um, so the fact that a human being can actually say, that looks really good, I feel like eating it. My body wants to eat it. But I know if I eat it, it's going to make me feel sick and there's nothing about that's going to be good for me. So that's why I'm not going to eat it. That's inherently spiritual decision. So does that bring you closer to God? It does bring you closer to God if you, as long as you are... And this sort of brings us back to the, 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 what we said last time, that the context for, spiritual, for, for personal growth makes all the difference. Because if, if, it's, if it's in the context of... Um, in the context of gosh, I'm going to, going to Cape Town in December and I have to look good in my, in my costume on the beach. So then it's maybe not so spiritual. But if it's in the context of I'm aware that, you know, that God exists and there's a body-soul dynamic here and da-da-da, then it is spirit. Then it is, sure, of course it is. You know? Um, okay, many other examples. Um, but, the point, but the point is like this. Well, and, well, and this. So, the, so that we said last time that growth excuse me, personal growth from the Torah perspective is uh, a very powerful and all-encompassing means of how we get close to God. Now, the, be- the beginning of personal growth is self-knowledge, right? I-, I have to know and understand myself in order to be able to grow. Now, obviously, every person is an individual, and understanding yourself will be different. For, you know, I, mean, I mean, every person is different, but that's actually, is, we'll discuss in in the future, that, that we're going to have a discussion about that. But there is something which is common to everybody, and that's this. The most fundamental element of what a human being is is, is, is a body-soul combination where it means that I'm, I'm li- I am living in a constant state of tension. Right? And if a, per- if a person doesn't realize this, they can- they'll never understand themselves. Right? Is that to be a human being means to be living I'm constantly, I'm conflicted. I'm always conflicted. Because I'm always getting, because it's more than one part and pulling me in different directions. I may not always be focus, focusing in on that conflict, but almost always it's there on some level if I sort of bring my awareness to what's going on. I could be sitting in class, pay, am I going to pay attention or not? Is a type of, my, the body wants, the mind wanders because the body, the soul wants to pay attention. You know, there's always going to be, you know, some, some, something I could probably tune into in any moment and think, where's, where's this conflict? Where's this? Where's the point of tension right now? Where's the where's the pull happening? Okay, so um, so we have to understand that we are, like you said, we're we're a body soul combination. I'm made up of two different parts. The parts are, have two different drives. Um, I need to learn to manage that, 
And, and ultimately, the way I manage that and I make my decisions becomes, over the course of a lifetime, the sum total of, who my, decision, of my decisions become, becomes who I am. Right? That's who I am. So, um, when we say self-growth is spiritual, personal growth is spiritual, it means because ultimately the goal of, of personal growth is to identify ourselves more and more and more with the soul over the body. And, and, and to get to the point, ultimately, where I, the highest level of that is recognizing that my, that my body is simply a garment, right? That I, that I, that I, that's enclosing me. You know, this include, but the real me is, is, is my soul. And so if I, if I consistently make the right decisions over a long enough period of time, is that I will find that very gradual, gradual process, but gradually what happens is that I become, that's how I become a more elevated, a more uplifted, a more refined, a more spiritual person because I'm, because I'm managing that conflict. And what happens is when you do that, and not, not only is it that the soul gets uplifted, but because we're a combination is that we move together. So our bodies also get uplifted. Right? The, body's, the body changes. The body also becomes more refined. The body, body gives in, and the body goes, the body goes out. I mean, even exercise is a very good example. You, go, you decide you're going to go jogging for the first time. Right? You, you get up and you go for it, and your, your body is screaming. It's like, you know, you're going to kill me. This is, I, I can't breathe. And my heart, your heart's going to right? And you're like, oh, you know, it's horrible, and, yeah, and it's... And it's <laughs> And then you do, and, and, and to do it the next time is even harder, you know, and you're sore, and da-da. But if you keep pushing, and you do it a few times, so the body starts to get in shape a bit more, um, it becomes easier, it becomes, you know, the body starts to even, it feels good after, you know, and it can get, it gets to the point where you do it long enough, then the, what happens is the body says, you, 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 you skip a day, and the body goes, hey, what happened? Why don't we go jogging today? You know, so your, your, your body comes along with you. If, you, if, you, if your soul drags the body upwards, you become more and more elevated and more spiritual. So anyway, so those are the four points, okay? Those are the four points. Is it number one? I made up of two different parts. Number two is those parts want different things and pull me in different directions. Number three is I have to learn to ride my horse. I have to make sure that the soul is the rider and the body is the horse, like it's meant to be. I have the proper relationship. And I have to recognize that my decisions define who I am. And that ultimately is that, is that we have to recognize is that I'm, I'm, I'm not a body, and it's not even that I have a soul, but it's that I am a soul, and that my body is simply just there to enclose my soul and allow me to be in this world. And if, as long as, as we engage in that process of identifying more and more and more with the soul, so that is personal, that is, that is growth. That's personal growth.